Father, thank you so much for, for Pastor Louis, Lord, and for what you've placed on his heart tonight, Lord. I pray that you help him to accurately convey what you've speaking, spoken to him about, Lord, and that um, he can win our hearts towards the kingdom, Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen. You need my mic? I need your mic. Thanks. So I can speak in what the Lord has said, Skok. <laughs> good evening, everybody. You all well? It's good to see you this evening. It's great to be with you and trust that uh, you're experiencing just the Lord's grace and favor in your life. Over this year, we've been having some fun in the scripture. Our theme for this year has been all about how do we live as followers of Christ? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? And uh, we've taken various perspectives and angles on it. And just as a community, we've been saying we want to learn from Scripture more about how do we live for Jesus. And what does it mean as when Jesus talks in the Scripture so often about being a follower of Christ. Or sometimes we talk about discipleship or sometimes kingdom living. And all these things speak about the, the same concept of being a follower of Christ. And um, one of the sort of concepts that popped up out of our discussions and that I heard uh, Dr. Gerard Vormerans uh, actually mentioned this. Uh, he's the chairperson of our eldership and he was speaking at, at some place and he actually used this term and he spoke about integrated living. And I thought that's perhaps one of the things that it's worth sort of giving a bit of airtime to and to think about. What does it mean to live an integrated life? And uh, I think what we understand that to mean is to, when we say that our faith influences every single part of our life. Uh, earlier this year, we spoke, and uh, I don't know if you've heard me say this, but I, I had this little tagline in the first term where I said, the disciples' belief system must be matched by the disciples' practice. A disciple, a follower of Christ, is not just somebody that believes the right things. It's also a person that, because of their belief system, does the things of God. We also, I once said that, uh, our faith can be very personal, but it can never be private. Our faith can be very personal. In, the, in that my relationship with Jesus, we often speak about it's a personal relationship with Jesus. Every one of us needs to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And there may even be elements of that relationship that's a little bit different than the person next to me. There may be some of it that's unique because it's very personal to me because I'm unique and therefore I will you know, relate to the Lord perhaps a little different than you do. But at the end of the day, if my relationship with Jesus is real, as personal as it is, it needs to become public. It needs to show itself. It needs to be revealed. If you think about it like this, Jesus is pretty unique. There's never been anybody that walked this planet like Jesus. Amen? Do you agree with me on that? I mean, still today, there's not been somebody that's come close to who Jesus is. He stands out. He's so different. Now, if I have Jesus in my life, and he's so different, and I'm being transformed into his image, if I'm becoming more and more like Jesus, what does that mean? Can you make the logical conclusion there? If Jesus is so different, he's in me, and I'm becoming more like him, Therefore, I will become more and more different. As the Lord works in my life, more and more I start being somebody that is different than others that you find in this world. Not because of only merely because I'm a unique person with my own character traits, but because the kingdom starts living through me. 
And I start behaving in kingdom ways. I think that's what it means to live an integrated life. is a life where Jesus is in everything in my life. There's no section of my life where you don't find Jesus. Where His Lordship is not growing in my life. I don't think any of us have it all together. I don't think any of us have it all settled and has the complete lordship of the Lord Jesus in every area of our life. I think any of us, if you had to take a cross-section of our lives, will have some areas where perhaps the Lord Jesus is more in control than in other areas. But are we growing in every area and saying, Lord, more and more I want to submit to you. And more and more I want my whole life to be about you. And, and that's integrated living. But we so... So blessed in this community of ours and in this amazing church of ours that we have such rich stories of people that already live life like that, that are examples to us. People that take Jesus wherever they go, that respond to the Lord Jesus. Because ultimately what God wants from us is to respond to Him. He doesn't put a law on us. He loves us and says, respond to me. Come and do what I ask of you to do. And in our community, we've got great stories of people that did just that. They were challenged by God, that God spoke to them, that received the love of God, and then said, Lord, how can I share that which you've done in my life? And, and some of them started what we would call ministries, NGOs, nonprofit organizations, public benefit organizations, but ministries that they said, these will be the vehicles through which I will share with others what God has done in my life. And so at this point in time, I want to show you just a short video clip of, of, I think it's four of our ministry leaders that will just share with you a little bit about their story and what God is doing in their lives and has done through their lives and what they continue to do. And, and the, part of the reason why we show you this is because through our faith promise, all of us partner with them. And we say we see the story of and we recognize what God has done in your life and we recognize that God has called you to do something and we want to support that. We want to Make it possible for you to do that. We do that through our giving in Faith Promise and through outreaches. And some of you have been to some of these places and gone on outreaches. And we partner with these people. So, Sam, if you can get ready. Thank you very much. We're just going to show you this little video clip. Hi, I'm Chandra. Um, I work with Baraka Education Foundation I'm in Mamalodi. We're focused on um, early childhood development and education um, in our township area called Lusaka. We have about 150 children um, and nine staff members from the community. Um, we're passionate about providing education that nurtures and empowers and giving every child a chance to have a good start. And we are so thankful for all of um, our partnership with Hatfield Christian Church. Um, and for the Faith Promise pledges, it has made such a difference. We've been able to have such breakthrough in so many areas as an organization. Um, Faith Promise helped us get electricity. We didn't have electricity for several years and um, the children were so excited when we turned the lights on and we've made such progress with our facilities because of people like you that are giving so generously, so faithfully, and it's made so much of a difference in us being able to have breakthrough in so many areas and we're so thankful. Viva's relationship with Hatch for Christian Church is like deep roots and it's very important for us because as a tree grows it can take more when the roots are really deep and also this, these roots are watered you know we, we, we feel the support we've got volunteers coming for Viva volunteers are just the VIPs for us Viva is like a modern mission station it's community ministry but we believe that is what Jesus would do 
He would get his feet dirty, he would get his hands dirty, he would walk barefoot in our streets. And so that is what Viva Village is. And you know, I think from the bottom of our hearts, we, we're thankful. Becoming a community ministry partner with Hatfield Church has really meant a lot to me over the years. I, and I don't mean just the physical uh, support that we've received, the, the connections with community people who've really helped us a lot, but also spiritually and emotionally being accepted by Hatfield has really helped us feel like we're a member of this family and that we belong here. And that has lifted, lifted us up so many times in the, during the hard times. So I just wanted to thank you all very much for that. This last year, Hatfield printed up the notebooks for our camps. Um, we have a curriculum where we are teaching the children that they are loved, awesome, unique, and valuable, and that there is a God who loves them and who has a plan for their life. The idea of RJC was actually birthed out of me doing a Foundations of Christian Thinking. I think it was the second one that was run back in 1993. In that process, in that season, the whole idea of restorative justice um, was developing and I got exposed to that and it was like this big aha moment. So that was the one uh, frame of reference platform that I think Hatfield gave me. And the other has been the, the pastoral support. So there have been some really difficult seasons and uh, the support of um, IMD um, during those times has been really amazing. Uh, my name's Hilton Hasty, and I run an organisation called Kingdom Revealed. Just somewhere along the way I just had, had this thing that I needed to do something and get out of get out of church and go and make a difference with whatever God had given me. And um, so I, I work, this is, this is where I work, and I run a, I run a business, and it's, it's demanding, a lot of work. But at the same time, it uh, supports, supports me, supports my family, supports the ministry, um, and we've been able to do some great stuff. I take, I take my leave to go and do the ministry. I take weekends, public holidays. Um, I've taken all my leave, much to my wife's dismay and horror sometimes. But um, we've, we've been able to do great things. I'm just a, just a regular guy. I love Jesus. That's it. It's, often often people, people think, and we go to some of the places in the world, and we think people are expecting some deep revelation from God. But... Really, all we're doing is carrying the love of Jesus. It's that simple. Um, when the church has an encounter with the love of God, everything changes. Everything should flow from, from a position of the love of God. When we fall in love with Jesus, He gets hold of your heart, He gets hold of your wallet, He gets hold of your time, He gets hold of your, your talent, your treasures, your resources, everything. Um, and you give it freely because you're in love with Him. It's that simple. Isn't it beautiful just to hear those stories of people that just responding to the love of Jesus and saying, what I've received is so good, I can't keep it. I've got to find ways to share it with others. And as Hilton said there at the end, just to be a regular person that just goes and loves people with the love of Christ. And that's our joy. That's our privilege to do that. Now, not all of us will start a ministry and start a nonprofit organization. For many of us, it'll just be in our everyday life, whether we're studying at varsity, whether we're working in a place, whether we start a business or an entrepreneur, but in some way that we will say, Lord, I'm going to build your kingdom through, what, through that which you've put in my hands, and I'm going to live an integrated life. And I'm going to ask Tuki, she's going to join me, and she's going to just tell us a little bit about her story, about how she's responding to the Lord Jesus in her life and just wanting her faith to become more visible and make a difference in that. So it'll, thank you for sharing with us this evening. Are you okay? 
I'm fine. You're fine. Okay. So just share with us a little bit of your story. Thank you very much. Good evening, everyone. My name is Tuki, and I'm a second-year student at the University of Pretoria. And um, the way that I would integrate, like, being a disciple of Christ outside my quiet time um, is... God has been so good to me and he's been so faithful to me and I've experienced so much of his grace and his love and his mercy in my life um, and his faithfulness as well. So, um, And he's filled me so much, um, like I find satisfaction in him and I couldn't, like I won't be able to do life without him. And knowing that, um, like taking that and actually like pouring it out to people around me, um, especially in my varsity because I hear a lot about depression and anxiety and people are just sad and they don't know God and I know this God that fills me up so much. How could I not want to share with others who feel so depressed, who feel so anxious and sad that there is a God who fills them so that they don't have to feel that way anymore. So my desire is for people to really know that there is a God who fills them up um, more than anything of the things of this world could ever do. So, so you're telling us that you're a second-year student with the responsibilities that, that that asks of you. But on top of that, you're putting this added responsibility on your life to say, I'm going to go every day and look for opportunity where I can share Jesus with people. And that's not always easy. That sometimes means you just want to be quiet and just drink a cup of coffee and then you have to talk to somebody. So how do you manage that? How do you just live your life and get everything done and just you know, be a normal person within that? For me, a great deal for me is to always show grace and kindness to people around me. Um, whether I meet someone in the elevator, I will just greet them, smile at a person that I walk past, even if they're like minding their own business, I'll just be like, hello. And yeah, they'll just appreciate that mostly. And as well, um, a bunch of my friends and I started doing ministry on campus. Um, so every Tuesday and Friday, we would meet up and we would obviously pray first and then we'd go out. And our goal always is to build relationships with the people that we encounter. So usually we ask what their names are, obviously, what they're studying, how they're feeling. And then we would just like ask them where they are standing with the Lord. And if they would like someone to disciple them, then we get their numbers. And then we follow up and basically, yeah, we just do life with them outside of that. Isn't that awesome, eh? Amen. Shall we pray for her? And just for what God's doing in her life and through her, let's stretch out your hands and let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful story. Thank you for Tuki, Father, and her response to you. This is just a response, Lord, because of your goodness towards her. We thank you that you've placed her on a mission. And we pray, Father, that you would give her strength and grace. That breakthroughs, Father, with the right people in the right times and the right places, that she would be continued to be amazed at just what you will do through her life. And thank you, Father, that you are more than enough for her. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing with us. I so appreciate that. I know many of you would have similar stories like that, but you know, we obviously don't have time to share. But perhaps if you can share with others just some of those stories of what, how you're living for the Lord Jesus. Now, I want to take you to a portion of Scripture this evening which would, I would categorize as one of the more challenging things that Jesus said to people. So this evening I'm going to be a little bit more apostolic and a little bit pastoral. Can we handle that? Is that okay? Can you, can you deal with that? I'm normally quite pastoral. So put on your, your boots. In, in Luke 9, in verse 57 to 62, 
we have Jesus again describing for us what it means to follow him. And he gives us some of the challenges of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And this may be a portion of scripture that you've read and sort of gone, now what's he really saying? I think it's often a portion of scripture that we read and we go, we say, obviously he means something, I think he means this, but let's carry on. And so tonight I want to pause and really for us to think through a little bit what he's saying here in Luke 9. So as the scripture goes, you, you can see it up there. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who, can puts a hand, who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What is Jesus saying here? What is he meaning to these people? Now, I want to take this portion of scripture and, and superimpose it over another portion of scripture which we read earlier this year in Mark 8, verse 34, where Jesus said, if you want to follow me, how many of you remember these three things that Jesus said? Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Some more challenging words. So it seems that this business of following Jesus is challenging. It costs. Have you found that? Following Jesus isn't a walk in the park. It's not easy. The further you go with Jesus, the more challenging it gets, actually. So how, what does that mean? So I want to take the three things that Jesus said in this scripture and apply them to the three things that we said in Mark 8 verse 34. And uh, I think he's saying the same thing, just in different language. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. So the first point is this. Guy says to Jesus, Lord Jesus, I will follow you everywhere you go. Have you ever had a moment like that where you said something like that to the Lord? I'll follow you wherever you go. Lord, whatever you want. How many of you have ever done that? Sometimes it happens in a nice air-conditioned church service. On a soft chair with great musicians playing awesome music. And we step into that kind and wonderful place of the love of the Father. And we feel so, wow, Lord. I just love you so much. And then... The pastor comes up and he says something and he says, will you give your life to Jesus? And you say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Wonderful. It was an occasion like that where this man says to Jesus, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, okay, hold on for a moment. Before you get carried away, let me just make sure you understand what you're in for. Let me just read for you the T's and C's. Let me give you the fine print. Jesus says, one of the things that you have to consider if you want to follow me is I'm homeless. I don't own a home. Now, Jesus was being a little naughty because the scripture says everything belongs to him. So the whole earth is actually his. But in terms of where he said in the scripture, you know, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I have no place to lay my head. He was literally saying to this guy, if you're following me, you may end up in a situation where you're not going to know where you're going to sleep tonight. You're not going to be aware of where your place of comfort and security is going to be. Because I don't have that. So if you follow me, this is probably what's going to happen. Are you up for that? Are you okay? 
to not have comfort and security in your life. That's challenging. So how many of you still go, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. He says, my going may take me to a place where I don't have a place. Now that's quite a thought. What is Jesus saying to us in 2018 in South Africa? If he says, if you say to him, Lord, I will follow you. And he says to you, hang on. I don't have a place to go. You're still prepared to follow. What does that mean? Is Jesus saying in this portion of scripture that followers of his shouldn't have homes? Is that, is that what you think Jesus says? He says, if you want to be a Christian, you mustn't own a house. Is that what Jesus is? He's in a communist coming out now. Saying, no, 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 we don't own anything. How many of you think that's what Jesus says? I don't think so. Is Jesus saying that Christians should have nothing? They should just be these people that roam the earth, sleep on sidewalks, you know, just wherever somebody makes a space for them, they sleep, and they don't own homes. No, I don't think that's what Jesus means. Because the scripture is full of the Lord encouraging his people, making it possible for his people to own homes and to own land. It's part of God's purposes. I mean, the whole nation of Israel story. So what is Jesus saying? If he's saying to you and me as a follower of Christ that to follow him, you may not end every day with places of comfort and security. Now, I think that's the point. He's saying for him, the first priority in his life is not his comfort, nor his safety, nor his security. It's to do the will of the Father. That's his number one priority. Now, Jesus knew that he was only on earth for a short period of time, and he had to get a job done. And uh, because he's the son of God, he actually owned everything. He wasn't going to spend a lot of time in one place, but he's going to move around a lot. So it just made sense. I own a home and I'm very thankful for that. When I grew up, we didn't own our own home. I'm very thankful that I got to be at that place in my life where I could buy a house. I'm really thankful for that. That's part of my testimony. The house we have in, I know for a fact that God blessed us with that house. But that house doesn't belong to me, actually. It belongs to Him. That house is not my source of comfort and security. It's a great place. It's a comfortable place. I'm so excited at the end of the day, after a long day. I'm so excited that later tonight I get to go home. I get to go and sleep in my bed next to my wife with my pillow. I'm so excited for the fact that my children, that it's a safe place. It's a comfortable place for me. But do you know none of that can give me the comfort that I will receive from doing the will of the Father? That's where my comfort comes. Didn't Jesus say, my bread is not food. It was not what sustains me. It's to do the will of my Father. I think that's what Jesus says. To be a follower of Christ. He is your source of comfort, of security, of hope, of future, more than anything else. I think it's really important for us to understand that and remember that. Jesus' commitment is, first of all, by the Spirit of God to help you to be a follower of God, to be a kingdom person. That's His first commitment. He will bless us with the comforts of this world. He will bless us but never in a way that it gets between us and Him. 
I've seen how often the Lord will just take something away if it becomes the thing that you trust in more than Him. And I know right now in our nation, I mean, the issue of ground and what, who should have ground and who shouldn't have ground. Should anybody have ground? And the, it's a very difficult topic. And, and there's so many complexities to it. And I, I don't pro profess to understand everything about it. But this I know. Everything belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to the Lord. If I have or I don't have, isn't the first thing in my life. It's do I have Jesus. From there, God will work in my life. I believe and I pray and I really hope for this. That there will come a day in this nation where every single person can own their own home. Can own a piece of ground. Can, can do the, live in a way that, that which is God's heart for them. I think that's God's heart for them. But it's not about that first. Because remember, this is temporary. The scripture says, don't focus on that which is temporary. Focus on that which is eternal. One day, my piece of ground, my little piece of ground that I own with my house, is going to pass away. But Jesus said he's gone to build an eternal dwelling place for me. So that's where my first priority is. So if a follower of Christ, Jesus says, don't make it about the things of this earth first. Put me first. Then he says to another guy that comes and says, or he actually said to a guy, come follow me. And this guy said, Lord, I want to follow you. But my, my parents are on in years now. And I just need to spend a little bit of time with them. Make sure they're okay. And just make sure that once they've passed away and you know, I've taken care of them, then I can follow you. How many of you think that's a reasonable request? Is that unreasonable? I mean, if I've got... I'm the oldest in my family. Natasha's parents are getting on in years. and My mom's getting on and it becomes that situation where I have to look after them. Make sure that they're taken care of. It's my responsibility. In biblical times, it was a big deal. If you were the oldest, it was your responsibility to make sure that you looked after your elders. And uh, often that would be the prerequisite so that if you did that, the business from your family would pass on to you. So it was your responsibility, not because the business was the way that they cared for their families. So it was your responsibility to not only bury your parents, but to make sure that your security for your whole family was kept because you maintained the business. You, you stood for your responsibilities. This guy is just saying to Jesus, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you, but I've got responsibilities, man. Let me first take care of my responsibilities, then I'll follow you. Then, then I'll give it my all. Then Jesus says this amazing thing to him. He says, man, if you're going to do that, then I want to say to you, let the dead bury the dead. Now that doesn't sound quite like a nice, Jesus, gentle, kind thing for Jesus to say. He's saying to this guy, man, if you want to do that, then go do that. But don't then say you want to follow me. Wow, Lord. Now, in the Hebrew language and in the New Testament, the word dead was often used. And it had a meaning that the Jews particularly ascribed to this word. The Jews used the word dead often to express indifference toward a thing or to express that something has no influence over us. 
So in Romans, Paul writes and he says, we are dead to sin. What he was saying is, sin no longer has power over us. We are dead to it. We are, we are indifferent to it. it. Its existence doesn't matter for us as much. We are dead to this. If I say I'm dead to something, then I mean I'm indifferent to it. I don't really care. That's what Jesus was saying to this man. He said, let the dead bury their own dead. If you don't want to follow me, you are being indifferent to the kingdom. And you're not giving it the right level of authority in your life. And if that's what you want to do, carry on with life. Because the Lord Jesus actually expects of us that no matter what our responsibilities in the li this life is, that we make his kingdom our first responsibility. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And then I will add all these things to you, Jesus said. All your responsibilities, I will help you with those if you make my kingdom your first responsibility. Now what does that mean? How do we practically live that today? Does that mean tomorrow we must all quit our jobs, stop studying? How many of you would go, praise God, that, I can live with that. Exams are coming up. Now you tell me this is what God wants. Hallelujah, I don't have to study. I can stop it. Okay, let me change it. What if I said to you, Jesus says you must give up your possibility of earning an income. Both now and in the future. Give it up. Is that what Jesus wants? Does Jesus want us to be followers of Christ, which means... That we don't work, we don't earn an income, we just live. Perhaps we spend every day in prayer, we read the Bible all day long, we just walk the streets telling people about Jesus, the birds will come and drop food at our feet. I mean, it's in the scripture it happened. The, the water will just bubble forth out of the ground for us to drink. We, we'll, you know, Jesus said the birds of the air don't have, they don't worry. I look after them. How much more will I look after you? Does that, is that what it means to be a Christian? No. What Jesus is saying to us is, your first responsibility is to take care of my responsibilities, the kingdom of God. And that you do within all your responsibilities. Do I make my responsibilities? Do I keep that separate from the responsibilities of the kingdom? Or do I integrate them with one another? Do I make them one? So if you've got a study, a studying as part of your responsibility, do you say, Lord Jesus, one day when I'm finished studying, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to follow you. Or do you say, Lord, in my studying, how can I serve you and follow you? Because so often it's what we do as people. We say one day, one day I'm going to serve the Lord. One day I'm going to follow the Lord. Have you ever seen that day on a calendar? One day? Have you ever noticed that in, on any calendar that you've bought or any app that there's a one day? I, I, I fear for that day. Because if you know if that day actually arrives, it'll kill us. Because we'll have to get so much done in that one day. Because we've put so much, one day. You know, so often Christians, you know, we'll say, one day, Lord, when, 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 when I've finished studying, I'll follow you. Okay, no, Lord, one day when I've got a job, then I'll follow you. 
Okay, Lord, one day when my job doesn't keep me so busy, then I'll follow you. Okay, Lord, one day when my, when my children are out of nappies, then I'm going to follow you. Okay, now, Lord, one day when my children are at school, you know, then I can follow you. Okay, Lord, one day when my children are finished with school, I'm going to follow you. No, Lord, one day when, they, when they're studying, I'll follow you. Okay, Lord, one day when they're finished studying, I'll follow you, Lord. No, no, one day when my children are married, then I can follow you. Okay, no, Lord, one day when my grandchildren are out of nappies, I'll follow you. And so it continues. Because we always put following in the Lord, we so easily put it in a special category. And we say it's something, wow, that we do. Now it is something, wow, that we do. But there's not a one day in the kingdom. All that there is in the kingdom is every day. There's tomorrow, on a Monday, with all its nonsense and struggle and traffic. And perhaps you're feeling fluish. And, and you didn't get your work done, and, and your boss is not happy, or your, your lecture is on your case, that day is the day you have to follow Jesus. It's only that day. What does it mean to follow Jesus in that day? If we keep on saying, Lord, there's other things I have to take care of first, we'll never follow Jesus. And you can miss it. But every day we can follow Jesus. Take up your cross daily, Jesus said. And then the last one is a guy also that said, Lord, I want to follow you. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I think what Jesus is saying to us here is, you cannot start following me and stop. This is a lifelong thing. It never ends. You don't retire from the kingdom. You don't stop following Jesus because something else happens. You can't say, Lord, okay, Lord, I, I really plan to follow you, but now I've got to just get married. So can we just put it on hold and, and then I'll keep on following you? Oh, Lord, I, I really wanted to follow you and I, I know I started the journey, but, but yes, now, you know, our family's finances aren't doing well and I can't follow you anymore. I first got to just, no. Lord, when I've put my hand to it and said, I follow you, I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to do it every day, every moment of the rest of my life. And these are the things, these are like the T's and C's where Jesus said, don't just think you're going to follow me. Now I think it's really great for us, that, although it may be very challenging, to consider these things. Because in our time, we so often made following Jesus a small thing. For some people, following Jesus means praying the sinner's prayer and saying, I'm saved, I'm going to go to heaven, thank you, I've got my insurance, I've got my entry pass, pin code for the gate, my biometric scanner is working, I'm in, taken care of, done, now I'm going to carry on. Do you know that that's not a follower of Christ? A follower of Christ is an active term, which means every day. It begins with, Lord, I give you my life, praying the sinner's prayer. It begins with saying, Lord, it's all about you. I make this commitment. I make this choice. But then every subsequent day, it's about seeking Jesus. More of you, Lord. Not just in the way I live, but so that through me you can make your kingdom known and that others can know that you are real. 
That's our joy. That's our privilege to live these amazing kingdom lives. So I want to challenge you today as I come to an end. What don't you have in your life that you say, Lord, I need that first before I can follow you? What are you waiting for to follow Jesus? Are you ready to go the distance with him? I think the scripture says, count the cost before you start a journey, before you start a project, so that you don't halfway complete it. That's what the Lord, he's not so interested in the masses that follow him. He didn't spend his time with thousands. He spent his time with 12. And he taught them every day about what it means to follow him. I want to be one of those people. It says, Lord, I'm, I'm with you. You are my source. Having relationship with you, as Etienne said, you are enough. You are enough. I trust you for a home. I trust you for a car. I trust you for health. I trust you for everything, Lord. But those are secondary. You are more than enough for me. I'd rather have you and none of that than have all of that and not have you. You are more than enough for me. Lord, I don't want to have any other priority that is more important than your kingdom and loving you and serving you. That's my top priority. That's going to be the thing that I work my agenda according to. May you one day have the privilege of living in a part of the world, not because it's a nice place to live or because it has the best jobs for you or the best salary or the nicest schools, but because it's the place where God wants you to live. May you live there one day where God says, this is where I've called you to be. But until you get there every day, Right here, right now, the scripture says, this is the place God has called us for. So every day. And may you and I, and I pray this for myself, put my hand to the plow and go. Never stop. Never stop following Jesus. Every day, Lord, what haven't I learned about you? What haven't I done? What haven't I given for you? What have I not changed in my life for you, Lord? Help me every day day for you Lord Jesus I want us to pray a prayer before I just invite you to participate in our faith promise I just feel this right now just to pray so just close your eyes this is not going to be an altar call kind of prayer but it is going to be a prayer for all of us to say Lord I really want to follow you And I, when I say, Lord, I want to follow you and I say yes to you, I know myself, Lord, and I know my potential to actually follow through. You know, it's not that great. I'm probably going to struggle. But thank you, Lord. That's where I know your spirit will come and that you will work with me, that you will help me, you will strengthen me. So, Holy Spirit, we just come before you this evening. Let us not be indifferent to your kingdom. Because we are busy with other things, Lord. Let us not put our hope, our security, our stability in the things of this world, the temporary things, but let us put our hope and our stability and our security in you, Lord Jesus. Let that become so real for us. 
that when we receive from you the other things of this world, we can enjoy them, but they never become too important to us, Lord. Because we trust you. We love you, Lord. And I pray for each of us, Lord. Let us follow you right through to the end. Every day. Help us, Lord, to never take a break from following you, but every day to seek you, to pursue you, Lord. Forgive us for the days where we don't get it right, but, and thank you that you always give us another opportunity. Let us follow through on that, Lord. I pray for your grace, your power in Jesus' name. Amen. You've done this for the last couple of weeks, but I'm aware that some of you may not have had the opportunity. But for the last 35 years in this community, we've done this where we, we pledge in what we call the faith promise. And the faith promise, money that is raised through the faith promise, is money that we don't spend here, but that we spend outside of the church in, there are programs that we pay for and ministries that support, missionaries we support, outreaches that we support. But this money is about making a difference outside of us. And uh, over the years, we have as a church raised more than 100 million rand that has been shown in outside, shown, sown outside of us. And uh, this is an amazing story. It's an amazing heritage that we can be part of. And uh, tonight we just want to, if you haven't had an opportunity, give you an opportunity to participate in the faith promise. How the faith promise works is it's a pledge you give because that's what you feel the Lord said to you, you need to trust Him for. So you don't do this because you, we ask you, you do this because you ask the Lord, should I do this? So all I want to do tonight is give you an opportunity just to ask the Lord. Just to say, Lord Jesus, I want my money not to just be money. I want it to have eternal consequences. And there's people that can go to places I can't go. And I want to support and be part of that and share in that and that kingdom heritage, Lord. So I ask you, Lord, speak to me and tell me if you want me to participate in the faith promise. And if you do, how much do you want me to trust you for? And we do this every year. We ask the Lord, every one of us afresh. And we wait on the Lord and we say, speak to us. So can we do that just right now in this moment? I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes if you, if you want to do that, if that's how you pray. And let's just ask the Lord. Holy Spirit, I thank you for giving us opportunities that not only with our lives and our stories, but that also our finances become something of eternal value. Thank you, Lord, that we know that everything belongs to you. So tonight I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each of us. Not because of a compulsion or a guilt, but thank you for the invitation that you extend to us to say, give, trust, stand with me to see the kingdom come. So we just pray, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each one of us that if it's your desire for us to do this, to, to participate in the faith promise, and then, Lord, if it is, that you'd show us how much. And we just ask that you would speak right now and just allow the Lord. I'm just going to give you a couple of seconds of, just to wait on the Lord. If you feel the Lord has spoken to you, then you'll find on every second or third chair that there will be a card like this with a pen. You can just take that up and then you fill it in. The first side that you fill in is the uh, 
pledge card 2018-19. And please remember this year our faith promise is for 10 months because we're moving our faith promise season. It's always been October like now, but we're moving it to August. So therefore this year's pledge will not be a 12-month pledge, but a 10-month pledge. But please just fill in your details on the front here. And uh, once you've done that, you turn it around. And then you put in in the back how you want to give. And there's four options. You can do a debit order, internet, credit card, or cash and check. So you, you just decide which one you want to do, and then you fill in the form accordingly. You, you fill in there, in every one of the blocks, you'll see there it says, I pledge. You put the total rand amount, uh, uh, sorry, the monthly amount you want to give, over how many months you want to give it, and then you equal it to the total amount. And you just can fill that in. Um, and we want to just give you opportunity to do that now, if you don't mind. We can also contact you if you can't fill in any of that information right now. Um, there's a number on the screen that will come up now, uh, 0835011160. And if you phone, if send an SMS to that number with your name, the amount you want to give, and how much per month that works out to, and then we'll contact you and help you with the process also. So you can also do that. Just here in this evening service so far, the pledges that has come out in this service has been over 100,000 rand already. So praise God for that. That's just amazing. We, we so, just, that's awesome. Thank you so much for that. Over, our whole community has so far, up until today, pledged just short of 3.7 million. We're trusting the Lord for 4 million for the 10 months to come in. So it looks like we're going to do it. Amen? So uh, trust the Lord for that, but it's, your, your job is not the 3, 4 million, you know, unless that's what the Lord's saying to you. Um, your job is just what is God saying to you. So please take the opportunity, fill in the cards. I'm going to hand over to our wonderful, beautiful MC, Mr. Skulk.